Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and Reed. Check this out. This is the Rip and Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Reed. Liar, 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 Fauci. As he was defiant, standing there. And then he poo-pooed the U.S. Energy Department's conclusion and the FBI's conclusion. The COVID-19 leak from the Chinese biological lab in Wuhan that he was funding with our tax dollars. That he, Fauci was funding with our tax dollars. And he urged people to keep an open mind and say, we may never know the origin of the disease. I represent science. No, you don't. You represent lying, lying, lying. Oh, my God. Think of it, ladies and gentlemen, the lies... The lies, the endless lies, like a tsunami of lies. And when people like myself and Sid Rosenberg say, what are you all sheep? (laughs) You do whatever government tells you. You don't think for yourself. You're not independent and autonomous. Remember when I would run up to people, some of you who complained here at WABC in the first year of the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020? Because I was running out in Staten Island and in Queens and in Brooklyn in the streets and I'd be knocking on your window and asking you why you were stopped at the light. What the hell do you have a mask on? You're in your own car. What are you afraid of? And then I would walk up to people who would actually poke a hole in their mask so they could smoke. And I'd say, hey, doesn't it seem a little ridiculous? You'll die of lung cancer before you'll ever die of coronavirus or any of its variants, COVID-19. But, oh, no, you complained. You complained. You complained. And now, one by one, all the government lies are disassembling. And notice, the federal agencies that are knocking down these lies are with the Biden administration. The last time that I looked... You had the <laughs> the FBI was in total control of the Biden administration. We've seen that time and time again. The U.S. Energy Department, total control of the Biden administration. And yet there was Fauci once again, all 82 years old of himself. Just like when he first went to Regis High School in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. So pretentious, so obstinate, thinking, thinking, oh, no, no. I represent science. No, you don't. You represent yourself and your own self-interest. Now we're finding out how much money you you had as a side hustle with Moderna in terms of their vaccine. Personally enriching yourself. You are Fauci, a double disgrazia, a double shanda. And I'm proud that people here at WABC, not everybody. 
But certainly Sid Rosenberg and myself, we called him out time and time again. For instance, how many times did I have to argue when I said, you know, I have guardian angels in Sweden. They don't have masks. They don't socially distance. They haven't kowtowed into this fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. And everybody was screaming, no, 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 natural immunity uh, offers little protection compared to vaccinated immunity. Proved to be a lie, lie, lie. And then remember, masks prevent COVID transmission. They had all of you to this day coming in on the subway today, although I saw far less masks than I normally do on the B train, the C train, and the E train. I saw the homeless. I saw the emotionally disturbed, that's for sure. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, has not brought them to shelter or to a mental health care hospital. That's for sure. That was quite evident. But I have seen more people now removing those masks because they've realized that Fauci and all of his minions and sycophants and toadies and lackeys was a fraud. It was a political fraud. Because if you didn't wear a mask, if you didn't abide by the rules and regulations handed down by the National Health Service of Emperor Fauci, then you were considered a spreader of coronavirus, a disease spreader, a potential enemy of society, and a trumper. Even though many of you who did not abide by those provisions, like me, were not a trumper. In fact, were never trumpers. So that mass prevent COVID transmission has completely been debunked. Then uh, Fauci, how is he going to ask about the school closures that supposedly would reduce COVID transmission? And now, what a mess. What a mess, you guys. Look how many inner city kids all over this country who were prevented from coming into school, including some whites and some Asians just are not able to keep up at their grade level. Absenteeism is at an all-time high amongst the kids who are having a difficult time to begin with. And it was all done for the benefit of the teachers' unions who didn't want their teachers in a classroom with 5, 10, 12, 20 or more kids. And they insisted that everybody had a, everything had to be done. Through Zoom, through Zoom, it was a disaster. And even when it was clear that it was A-OK for kids to come to school, every time one kid would come down with COVID-19 or one teacher, they would basically force everybody home and they'd have to go back on their laptops. Many of them didn't have laptops. And now we have a whole generation that is going to suffer educationally. Who's going to answer that? You think... uh, Mo Grew, the chancellor of the UFT, Union of Failed Teachers, or the person who benefited from the Peter Principle, Randy, the Weiner Weingarten, who used to be uh, chairwoman of the UFT, Union of Failed Teachers, and then got kicked up and became the American uh, Federation uh, of Teachers uh, president. All of them shutting down schools, shutting down schools, and getting tactical air support from Fauci. And then, remember the misinformation? Young people benefit from a vaccine booster. A booster, right? A booster for young kids. Who's making money on that? Right? Big Pharma. Who's Big Pharma contributing to? Oh, lots of Democrats, lots of Republicans. Follow the money. Follow the money. 
What have I been telling you? The medical industrial complex. And where did many of the supplies come from? The PPEs, right? Personal protective gear. And the masks themselves, as much as we were huffing and puffing and say, that's it, we got to cut off their route from China. Why is China the main supplier? When are we going to become self-dependent, self-sufficient? And look at it now. Close to three years later, we're still bringing in all these supplies from our so-called enemy red China. Ladies and gentlemen, you shouldn't be in the back pocket of the Democrats or Republicans. Trust no politicians. They screwed us on this, and their guru was Fauci. They would always say, it's Fauci. I represent science. Did I hear that one more time? I represent science. How about representing yourself instead of hiding behind the dress of science? And then the biggest lie of all that was propagated at the start of the lockdown and pandemic. We were told, oh, yeah, coronavirus and its variants, COVID-19, it came from a wet shop in Wuhan. Probably from a bat or other animals that it kept there. And then the, the, uh, the purchasers, the customers come in and say, I want the bat. I want this animal. I want that animal. And they slaughter it right there. And in some instances, they cook it and eat it right there or they take it back to wherever they're living. We were told, oh, it's the wet shop. Absolutely. It had nothing at all to do with the biological laboratory that, yes, the National Health Service was funding with our tax dollars, with Fauci's AOK seal of approval. In fact, when many of us came on to the airwaves and we discussed that it came from the Wuhan lab, whether it was an, exper- an experiment that went awry, whether it was due to a leak, Maybe it was done on purpose, right? I never believed that it was done on purpose because it's hurt the red Chinese as much as it has hurt other people all over the world, especially their bottom line, which is more important than their people. Profit for communists. It's profit in red China. And now we see the COVID originating from the Wuhan lab. It was never a conspiracy theory. See, that's how they try to shut everybody up. They say, oh, it's... It's a bunch of crackpots, kookalamungas. You know, it's Q, QAnon. Yeah, no, no, there's no reality to it. And there were people on both sides of the aisle who were saying that. Oh, that's conspiracy talk. Oh, no, 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 no. COVID originating from the Wuhan biological lab that Fauci was funding, as we found out, with NHS money, which is our dollars. Oh, that's all a conspiracy. Well, now it turns out it's true. Department of Energy, the FBI, it's true. Then they put out the misnomer that one in five people get long-term COVID. One in five people. So no matter how many shots you had, Pfizer, Moderna, Moderna kicking back money to Fauci, we now find. And even the one shot at Johnson & Johnson, you had to get boosters, boosters, boosters. You had to be turned into a human piñata, into a pincushion. More boosters, more boosters. But even then... One in five people would get long-term COVID. Well, studies are out now only 3%. 3% did. Are there people who are going to be coming forward? You know, if this were Japan, the CEO, in this case, of the National Health Service, Fauci would have to come before the nation on television. They would give him a Rambo knife. They would give him a Ginzu knife. There would be a napkin placed over it. And they would tell him in Japanese, hi, 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 do the right thing. And then in front of the nation, 
close to 90 million people, he would take that knife, he would stick it in his belly button and pull it up. And bleed out right to Harry Carey. And then Eric Adams, he got to do the right thing. Look, I've been uh, your enemy during the campaign, after the campaign, but there is a guy who decided to improve and not move, and he lives in Glendale, Queens. He's a legend in Glendale, Queens. His name, well, it's synonymous with telling the truth. And in fact, this man, when you go to community meetings there, you go to um, you go to the Juniper Valley Civic Association, and I remember many of them saying, Richard Uber, oh, my God, Queensboro President Donovan Richards, a double disgraziata, I might add, who hates police, wants to close Rikers Island, has, has repeatedly said that, went after this man personally. Now, you may say, well, who's Richard Huber? Richard Huber was working right there in the New York City Health Department. And he was telling us, he was telling us that this Wu Flu here, was being overstated, and that the deadly virus most likely was leaked from a lab in Wuhan. Remember, he was telling us, he called it the Wu flu. Well, Queensboro President Donovan Richards, who sees a racist in every white man, even calling our very dear friend here at WABC, um, City Councilman Robert Holden, a racist, calls every white person a racist except for white people who raised money for him, like the disgraced Eric Ulrich did when he was city councilman, a Republican in Howard Beach, soon to be made the buildings commissioner of the Adams administration, paying off his debts, his gambling debts to the Bonanno crime family, and then all of a sudden he had to be washed out. Yeah, yeah, oh, Eric Ulrich raised money. He took that white man's money to become borough president. Calls Robert Holden a racist. He called his constituent, Richard Huber, a racist. And now it's time that this man, this honorable man who stood up, it's like Diogenes who would walk around Athens and hold up a lantern and say, I'm looking for one honest man. Well, the honest man is Richard Huber. He needs to be hired back and he needs to get the back pay. And Eric Adams, you need to apologize to him. Featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, I went full circle, never fearing the fear, fright, hysteria, and hype about, oh, bad weather coming, put out by our news department and others. Bring back Lloyd Lindsay Young. But anyway, I digress. 
I went back to my roots in the Bronx first, West Fordham Road, University Avenue. I live in an apartment there right next to St. Nicholas of Tallentine, right next to the rectory. When I started the Guardian Angels on February 13th of 1979, I had only one supporter, Father McNally, rest his soul, who then went on to Philadelphia, helped us set up the Guardian Angels there at St. Rita's on South Broad Street, and then eventually retired uh, and passed away in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Boy, he was a brave guy. He stood up to thugs. He was the gun-toting priest because he would take the collections on Sunday and then bring them to the bank on Monday, and the hoodlums would be waiting like uh, like buzzards, like vultures. And he was a pistol-packing priest, Father McNally. And he would pull that pistol out when they would surround him, and they'd want the money from St. Nicholas of Tallentine, the Sunday collection. And he would say, you're ready to go to your maker? I'll give you a prayer first. And they would run, and they would scatter, and they would try again and again. The savage nomads, the savage skulls, the black spades. He was fearless, and he stood with us. And we would go over to DeVoe Park right next door. Many of you probably played there when you were growing up, either going to St. Nicholas at Tallentine or nearby public high schools. And... uh a guy who came from Zuriga Avenue, Eddie Brown, who's now treasurer of the UFA, rough and tough, would be one of many trainers who would come in and train our, our brand-new volunteers to join the Guardian Angels as we took on the criminal element. And as you know, the deck was stacked against us. And then to uh, go back to the scene of this vicious gang attack, at the Food Universe in Fordham Manor, right there, the shadow of DeVoe Park, I said to myself. And the gang that assaulted the employee, the cashier, a woman, were all women. A mother, her three daughters, and another adult woman. And what had happened at one point is that the woman who had started it all, the aggressor, had cut the line in attempting to get a deposit back on the recyclables that she had collected. And the cashier said, hey, you cut the line. You know, there are other people before you. And she just started a verbal tirade on this woman. F you, F you, I'll see you dead. And this 25-year-old woman would have to watch her back when leaving the job that she so desperately needed to make money to survive. And nobody did anything. Where were the men in that store? Where was the manager? I, I know what it's like to be a manager up there. I had to intervene many times as the manager of the McDonald's on East Fordham Road and Webster Avenue down the road. Many times on behalf of my staff, and I'd have to get physical at times in order to protect my staff because it was far more dangerous then than it is now, but it's getting even increasingly more dangerous. So this woman would come in and would I fornicate her. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And that cashier, she would be shaking, but she needed the job. And then on Sunday, this woman came in and started dropping the F-bombs. And then the manager, store manager, said, hey, is it okay if you just stand outside? Didn't even intervene physically. Didn't even say, no, you don't touch 
they have any of our employees here. You, you, you take them on. You're taking me on. Oh, he wimpishly says, please, would you leave the store? So she's outside. She's working the cell phone. She called all three of her daughters and another adult woman friend of theirs, and they came in and they bum-rushed that cashier in front of everybody. You've seen the video over and over and over. It was a gang attack, and there was no physical intervention. None of the male customers, none of the male employees, not the store manager, nobody. And then they called 911, and the cops came at about 1.15 on Sunday. Combination from the 4-6 Precinct on Ryer Avenue and the 5-2 off Meshula Parkway. And they did nothing. This is what our city has become. And they, they beat this woman down. And she's so frightened. She's so intimidated. But she has to return to work. And I said to myself, who's standing up for this woman? Who's standing up for customers? Who's standing up for the people who live in that Kingsbridge and Fordham section all the way down to 183rd, which is a war zone, a war zone. There's nobody. Where are the men? Where are the men? Can I have my music here again? I need that motivation. Where are the men? And by the way, women who have to, who have to inject themselves and fill the void. And muscle up to thugs and thugettes. They're everywhere. Police commission to go down there? Of course not. Probably couldn't even find it on a map. The mayor head over there? Of course not. Are you kidding? Come on. Let's get real here. We're back to where we were in 1979 in that section of the Bronx. We got to support our police. We got to fund our police. We got to let every man and woman in the police department know we got your back. Go out there, get proactive, do your job. And if it, if you got to lock up these thugs and thugettes over and over and over again, this is what you got to do from top to bottom. And it's not being done. And look at this woman, Lisbeth Rodriguez Luna, 25, afraid to come back to her job, afraid. But she's got to work. She doesn't want welfare. She doesn't want social assistance. She's proud of the work she does as a cashier. It's a blue-collar working class thing of ours that our parents or grandparents have done. How many of your grandparents or parents were cashiers or worked in a supermarket or a grocery store and had to deal with these kinds of violations and threats all the time? And then from there... We headed over to Morris Park, even though they were saying, oh, and WABC, Cracker Jack News Department, Bob Brown, fear, fright, hysteria, oh, a tsunami of snow is coming. Get out of here. Bunch of wusses. And then I stood, stood right outside of Loretto Park, which had been uh, rebuilt, redeveloped. It took them three years, three years. Comrade Bill de Blasio, you part-time mayor, dope from Park Slope. Probably doing puff puff pass right now with his wife Charlene, and I looked into that that beautiful park, Loretto Park, and I had a flashback, ladies and gentlemen, back to 1988. I stood in there. I was playing stickball, and I had on one side Herman Badillo and his supporters, who had been the great borough president and then congressman, lifelong Democrat. And then on the other side was my Kumbarichi, Rudy Giuliani, running once again 
as the uh, mayor of the city of New York. Make that 1992, excuse me. I'm going a little too far back. Herman was still on the other side. But in 1992, Herman Badillo decided that he would form a unity ticket. He would run for controller. Rudy would run for mayor, a fusion ticket for what was in the best interest of the city. And we played stickball over that. Not tennis, not golf. We played stickball, the street game that brought us together as kids, whites, blacks, Hispanics, Asians. And we had a great time. And I remember we went to have a slice of pizza nearby. And David Garth was the campaign manager for Rudy, who had gotten Lindsay elected, Koch elected. He read him the riot act right in front of me. I'm sitting here. I couldn't believe it. He said, Rudy, you're not having Coca-Cola. You're going to have Diet Coke. you got to lose some weight. And by the way, you got to get Donna Hanover and your son and your daughter out on the campaign trail. They want to see that you're a regular kind of a human being with a family. Man, he read him the right act. And to his credit, Rudy understood it's what he had to do to win, to save the city. And Herman Badillo was called a traitor because he he said, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, but I got to run. I got to help save Rudy, save the city and put aside our differences. And I recreated that moment yesterday right outside of Loretto Park and Morris Park. I stood side by side with two candidates that I am endorsing. Yeah, two candidates who are running for city council to support the police. Support the police. Yeah, I'm I'm supporting the Democratic insurgent, Irene Estrada. She has two daughters who are New York City police officers. And she stood there proudly next to me. And her colleague, although he's the Republican, George Havrenick, who's been a lifetime community activist there, fighting the upzoning that Eric Adams and the city councilwoman there now shoved down the throats of the residents there. Both Irene and George have been working together to fight the upzoning, which will destroy neighborhoods and fight for law and order and fight for cops. They're both insurgents. They're both taking on their county leadership. They are the best men and women in this. Wouldn't it be great if they get through the primary process, they win their primaries, and then they're in the general election, and then your most difficult uh, choice is, oh, God, they're both good people. They're going to help our community. They're going to help us get more cops. They're going to stop the upzoning. So if you happen to be in Morris Park or Vanessa or Allerton, Allerton Avenue, White Plains Road, where I first started to learn to become a McDonald's manager when I left Brooklyn and realized they thought I was crazy, a nut, with the idea of organizing the Guardian Angels. The Bronx never did. The Bronx embraced us. And look at us now. We're in 13 countries and in cities throughout the world, all from the Bronx, February 13th, 1979. They came full circle yesterday, passing Locust Park, Edgewater Park. You live in that area, Silver Beach Country Club, Spencer Estates, Drogsnick, Pelham Bay, Pelham Garden, City Island, LaSalle, all those areas. Got to do the right thing. First, you got to get out and vote. If you're a Democrat, you vote for the insurgent with two police officers, uh, her daughters, Irene Estrada, against subsoning. Or if you're a Republican in the upcoming primary, you vote for George Havernick, who's once more police officers desperately for that area and everyone in the city and is fighting up zoning and we have to fight up zoning all over this city 
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Spectacular! Now, here's the Sid Wrap-Up. Oi! out of the Bernard McGurk Studios, but I couldn't believe what I heard from Sid Rosenberg earlier today as he had to finally acknowledge to Noam Layden that he got him fired at the old WABC. You blame me for firing you. Right. You said that I went to Craig Schwab and said, bring in Juliet Huddy and get rid of uh, Noam Layden. Who told you that? What's that? Who told you that I said that? Uh, a couple of people in the business. Really? Okay. Yeah, in- including a couple of you are quote-unquote friends at WOR. Yeah, Michael Riedel, WOR, Women's Only Radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today, as he had to finally acknowledge to Noam Layden that he got him fired at the old WABC. You blame me for firing you. Right. You said that I went to Craig Schwab and said, bring in Juliet Huddy and get rid of uh, Who Noam Who told Layden. you that? What's that? Who told you that I said that? Uh, a couple of people in the business. Really? Okay. Yeah, in- including a couple of you are quote-unquote friends at WOR. Yeah, Michael Riedel, WOR, Women's Only Radio. Yeah, 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 watch woman, watch woman. And then they continued because, remember, I had gone in. I had fought for Gnome Layden to be First, the Brian kill me, 10 minutes lead in, hiccups, hiccups, non-professionalism. Like, I can't imagine. And now this, after preparing this and preparing this and preparing this. So let me just give the Sid rap. Basically, uh, Sid ended up uh, blaming. Blaming Bernard McGurk for Gnome Layden getting fired. Oh, God. Now, that's why you got to listen tomorrow at 7.05. Never mind right now. You know, Greg Kelly's coming up. I've had it, man. I feel like I want to take a hot shower, like I'm soiled here. And, man, I am going to be bouncing people's heads all over this place. I've been doing this for 35 years. I don't need my chain pulled uh, and uh, amateur hour here. So I do apologize to all of you for the lead-in to the 12 o'clock hour and obviously for what's happening now. It's inexcusable for the number one news talk station in the nation. And if they want to fire me, go ahead, fire me. Somebody's got to speak up.
for the Stingerbards that I love so much, that I know so many of you love so much, the most intimate form of communication that we have. It's not podcasts. It's not promotions. It's nothing else but what goes over these airwaves. Everybody should drop whatever the hell they're doing, all hands on deck. But they don't because they're in their own little worlds, their own little worlds. But I will forge out there. I will be at John Katsimatidis' book, uh, book signing there. It should be a glorious event. Maybe they'll get me, that'll get me back in a better mood. But I will tell you this, that I had a great day yesterday, and I'm not going to let this spoil me. Going back to the Bronx, going back to where the Guardian Angels all started, and I will tell you this. (laughs) It proved to me more than ever before that we have to improve, don't move. From West Fordham, University Avenue, over to Morris Park. And to see that many people have decided to dig in and they're going to fight for what they know is right. And they're not going to just leave like so many of our fellow residents to Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, and Tennessee. No, 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 no. They're going to stay. They're going to do what is important. Absolutely important. And that's why I went up and made history yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, the first ever endorsement of both a Republican and a Democrat running as insurgents. Up in the Morris Park Avenue, the Throgs Neck Avenue area. To save our city, to save our neighborhoods, to hire more cops, and to stop this upzoning. George Havernick, the Democrat, Irene Estrada, excuse me, George Havernick, the Republican, Irene Estrada, the Democrat, with two daughters who are police officers. And later today, we make history. We have the Republican candidate living in Astoria who is signing on to take on Caban, the leader of the Democratic Socialists in Astoria, the mini-me to AOC All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who hates police, defunds the police, wants to eliminate the police, and we are fighting that from the Ronald Reagan Republican Club that I helped launch just last week. The movement to save our city is here. You can join it. You can leave. We wish you no ill will. But we're going to stay and fight for what we know is right. We're going to improve, and we ain't moving. The only place I'm going is ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and I'm sure they'll find a spot to bury me somewhere in the five boroughs, but not without a fight. 